my responsibility as the pastor of a church is how is it going to affect the people that are entrusted into our care uh, as, as a leadership? And I couldn't imagine me standing up and saying, well, this thing is man-made. It's a figment of our imagination. We're just going to meet together and pretend it doesn't exist. Mm-hmm. That there, it was just so hard for me to, to wrap my mind around that kind of mindset. So I just couldn't in good conscience um, not follow what was being you know, mandated for us for the protection of everybody. Hey guys, I just wanted to take a minute here and say, I appreciate you. Thank you so much for listening. If you want to help support the podcast, you can subscribe, rate and review. It helps people to find it. If you also want to help support it financially, you can check out buymeacoffee.com backslash stuff up podcast. Thank you so much. I love you all. Welcome to the Stuff Up Podcast, where we delve into different topics to learn more about ourselves and more about others. And on today's show, I welcome my pastor, Pastor John Korkadakis. Did I say it right? Yeah, you did. (laughs) Well done. Yay. (laughs) Yeah, nice to be with you, Steph. Great. Yep. Thank you. You have been an amazing rock for me and for many people during such a crazy time. And I wow. really appreciate, especially the talks that you've had with me and you've allowed me to vent my frustrations and cry <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and your grace in, in allowing that and not, not like telling me what to do or believe or anything, just letting me be right. I think that's important and, wow. and I appreciate you for that. <laughs> So, well, thank you very much. And you've been, you've been gracious too. You've been easy on me too. So I really appreciate that. <laughs> well, that's good to hear. I'm working on being in a good relationship. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, what I want to talk to you about is the church and the COVID pandemic. And how, because there have been so many churches that have handled it in such a way that has bothered a lot of us Christian and especially seeing from people who aren't Christian seeing that. And they're like, what is going on? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And during this time was when I started questioning a lot of the fundamentalist stuff I grew up with. And I would see the attitudes of people online getting upset about a church being closed during a pandemic when everything is closed. And I started being like, what is going on? Am I weird for feeling that this is weird? And then I found your sermons. And I really was so grateful that you were grounded and reasonable. And I was like, oh, thank God. There's somebody. (laughs) (laughs) So can you tell us a little bit about your your stance on church during the pandemic and and how you've been handling it? Well, um, you know, I, I think I have to give have to give a little bit of a history. You know, our church prior to the pandemic was moving to online services. We had been doing it for almost two years, really felt that, you know, the online 
uh, community was was a whole new mission field and felt that that was a direction we needed to go. So when we were told virtually overnight that we would no longer be able to meet as a church, we were able to pivot. And, and I was surprised at how many other churches weren't able to pivot or, you know, and, and I know everybody's tired of the word pivot. In fact, <laughs> I'm embarrassed that I'm even using that word right now, but, you know, um, but, and there were a number of churches that I was surprised would say, this isn't really church, but what else was there? Like to actually close your doors to me was a worse outcome than having an online something. Um, because, you know, I remember pondering the weekend and we were told that we would not be able to meet together physically. I, I you know, I, I asked myself a number of, you know, questions to, to filter through the process, you know, um, can church be a virtual community? Is there such a thing as being able to do church in a virtual way? And for me, I, I, wholeheartedly thought, yes, we can. Um, is the gospel being hindered? Are we being told that we can't proclaim uh, the gospel of Jesus Christ? Are we being hindered from doing that? And the question, you know, the answer was absolutely not. That's not the issue. The issue is a pandemic. So is the church being targeted, um, you know, as opposed to everybody else? No, the church isn't being targeted. The church is part of the larger community. And this is a pandemic. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we have to take this seriously. And, you know, the, the most fundamental question is what would Jesus do in a situation like this? <laughs> well, that's a good question because one of the pastors I used to really admire, uh, he said something about Jesus would be healing the sick church uh, pastors open your doors. And I'm thinking, well, first of all, you're not Jesus. You're not healing anybody. Yeah. Second, what? <laughs> I I don't think that that's an appropriate response. And that really um, was disappointing. Yeah. And you're right. What What you said is so true about the, yes, if it was, okay, everyone's open, but churches, you have to close. Then you're saying we're being targeted. Yeah. But if we're literally in a pandemic where people are dying, and the best thing to do is go into lockdown and we don't know what's happening. Nobody knows what's to do. Really. This is a time that we're not prepared for. Why not just follow orders or just follow the guidelines because that's the best thing to do. Yeah. And, you know, I think that's a very fair question because, you know, I, I, that was one of the other filters in in my mind is going through the process is that, what what is the benefit or what is the the reason that I would go against this? And I couldn't come up with a single one. I really couldn't. And in fact, I think I've said this a number of times. I was in the, the pandemic has been an incredible disappointment for me when it comes to the church overall in North America. One of the first things I thought, wow, this pandemic's hit. This is a horrible time and things are happening all over the world. What a time for the church to stand up and show the world what we're really all about. 
Yeah. That's what I thought was going to come out of this. And I thought this is going to be a really exciting time. And in the early days, there were some, you know, really interesting uh, stories and victories about churches that went online and, you know, they were leading people to Christ and they were just getting behind caring for people in the best way possible, despite the fact we couldn't meet together. And those were the things I celebrated. But then all of a sudden we got this whole barrage of these churches that were claiming their personal rights. They were claiming that the vaccine or, or at that time that the pandemic itself had been fabricated. <laughs> and, you know, and the other thing I thought to myself, you know, people would come to me and say, well, you know, we should be meeting together because this thing was developed in a lab in Wuhan. And That's I'm going, cheap. yeah, yeah. You know, <laughs> or, 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 or this, and I'm going, who gives a rip really? how how it started you know my responsibility as the pastor of a church is how's it going to affect the people that are entrusted into our care uh, as as a leadership and i couldn't imagine me standing up and saying well this thing is man-made it's a figment of our imagination we're just going to meet together and pretend it doesn't exist Mm -hmm. that it was just so hard for me to to wrap my mind around that kind of mindset. So I just couldn't in good conscience um, not follow what was being, you know, mandated for us for the protection of everybody. There was something you said a few weeks ago in a sermon, and you said, even if we find out that everything they're saying is true, that masks don't work, that vaccines don't work, that Fauci created this in a lab, whatever. You said, even if they were right, what does it tell people the the priority that the church has? And and you also said something about um, we're known what we're, we should be known what we're for, not what we're against, or we are known what we are against instead of what we are for. And this has been in my mind so many times over over the years because when you hear what, especially when you hear from people who are not Christians and they're like, what are you guys like? You're just against everything. Yeah. And then when you start to understand, you're like, Oh my word. Yeah. We just say everything that we're against. We never really say what we're for. Yeah. (laughs) And that's sad. It is. We're not, we're, we're not proclaimers of the good news. We're proclaimers of everything we personally have a distaste for or a dislike for or are uncomfortable with. Um, You know, I've I've said many, many times to live the most courageous life is to live um, with, you know, uh, loving like loving the way Jesus loved people. And that's going to mess with a lot of people because that takes the whole judgmental thing out of, you know, the vocabulary. And, um, you know, that's, that's what we tried to, to emulate through the entire pandemic, that we were a church that cared for people, loved for people, um, wanted to, you know, lead people to a, a life of faith in Christ. And to do so that at the end of all of this, people would say, you know what, that church cared for me during the time where it was very difficult all the way around for everybody. Mm-hmm. So with a lot of the other churches i mean uh, and this is the thing the loud ones can be on either side 
But a lot of times people don't hear about the ones in the middle, just going along, doing their thing. And I think that's where it gets really embarrassing because we're like, oh, my word, we're not like this church over here who's on the news every week you know, <laughs> yeah, making yeah. a big scene and, and going on, like, we're not going to wear masks. We're not going to do this. And like literally embarrassing their town. That is not us, but the news is not going to come to your church and be like, Hey, you're following the guidelines. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You're doing this right. really well. You know, you're caring for people. Imagine that boy, <laughs> how newsworthy is that? <laughs> I think that would be a lovely thing to see on the news, but of course, yeah. they're not going to do that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but um, I know you and I have talked about this as I've seen people I used to admire really just, I was so disappointed with how they were, they were reacting to the situation. Yeah. And so were you, you were getting a lot of feedback as well from people who were friends and colleagues and just, I know it was a hard time for you. Yeah, you know, um, I've been in ministry over 20 years, and I have never been attacked, like, theologically, uh, morally, socially, the way I've been attacked over this pandemic. Um, you know, I've been, I've been told I'm leading people astray, and I'm going to be answerable to that oh. at, at, at some point. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's going to be a price to pay um, that I'm I'm a sheeple, you know, and and uh, uh, because I'm going to be more accountable to God for what I have done. And, you know, those are hard things to hear um, in in ministry. And and as I've said, I've never had those labels, uh, you know, attached to me, you know, in any other category like you know, in, in my teachings or anything like that. So it's been a really strange time to be attacked to the degree that I have just because I, I wanted to, to be a place that cared for people and followed the guidelines and, and been a good citizen. And in fact, been what I am convinced Jesus would have done in the same situation. Okay. Mm -hmm. Was it more that we're, because I know the the whole quote "church is essential" has been floated around, and that's why there a lot of people say we need to be open. Was it more because of that, or was it um, like what kind of things was it specifically that they were bothered? Well, by? yeah, the church church uh, being essential was was a critical one. That was the main one, and also the church. Um, one of the ones that bothered me the most is that the church had a privilege and a right over everyone else. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, yeah. That, that's the one that really got me. And it's like, give me Bible. Give me give me chapter and verse on that one, please, because I don't see that anywhere um, in the New Testament that we have this special privilege and, and right over everyone else and that and, and that we should be meeting together. Where, you know, and you get all the comparisons, you know, why can Costco be open? Why can the beer store be open? Right. And it's like, oh, my goodness, if, if you're comparing the church to Costco and you can't figure out why there would be a delineation of those two from a government standpoint, 
then I then we're in bigger trouble than we can possibly imagine, to be honest. You, you know, um, so those those were the two main ones that uh, that I got targeted for. And of course, there were there were times where, you know, I would have uh, ministry leaders sort of send me a petition and I wouldn't sign the petition. And I would say, I'm not interested in being part of this argumentation because I don't think it reflects well on the church in the long run. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, one, one letter went to the, you know, Ontario government and it was very theologically written, you know, and all these Bible verses and that, and, and I'm, I'm of the opinion, like who at, even not to say that there's maybe no Christians in the government in the Ontario legislature, but at the same time, to make that argument purely from a biblical standpoint with all these Bible verses, um, if you don't have anybody that's sensitive to the biblical teachings, what are they going to care? <laughs> They'll just laugh. You know, you know what I mean? <laughs> like, it, it's like, guys, the, I, I think your whole argumentation on the essentialness of church has to be driven by other factors that, you know, are, you're not addressing at all. So I, I, you know, became a target of a number of people, but that's okay. I, I felt that what made it comforting for me is the, the, the entire leadership at our church was on the same page. So it that's wasn't awesome. like I was even fighting the internal leadership of our church. Everyone was behind our decisions to do so. Yeah. Do you, that's probably... I guess, well, I don't know. How rare is that where you have, because you hear about churches that split oh, all the time because they can't get along. Yeah. It, is that pretty rare maybe to have your board behind you? I don't know. <laughs> well, you know, I, I, I don't know. I, I have been in a church where, you know, it was more infighting and the board wasn't necessarily uh uh, a pleasant place to be the pastor and, <laughs> and those things. But I have to say, um, I'm, I'm really in terms of the ministry that I'm involved in, I'm really in a, in an incredibly fortunate place. Um, at our church, we, we have a staff, which we all get along and work really well together. And uh, we have a, a, a board of elders at our church. And again, we all get along very well. And, you know, when we have hard conversations, we can have those hard conversations and we can all respect one another. It's, it's, it, it is, um, I, I know I'm making it sound more glamorous than it is, but we really do get along and we have a board of directors as well. And all of us work really well together. And so I'm in a very unique place as a pastor where I have a, a really wonderful leadership team who care about the church care about growing in their faith authentically and being a community that really emulates the person and character of Jesus Christ. And that's not, you know, I'm very blessed to be in that position. Mm -hmm. You know, one thing that really I found odd as, okay. So I, I told you, I grew up in a kind of a negative environment where we look at the negatives of everything. And so I'm learning to look at the positives because there's so many things that are out there. And I was kind of learning from different um, personal development leaders and 
and then the pandemic happened and all that. So when people started saying, well, we can't, we can't go to church, we can't stay open, blah, blah, blah. I was thinking, wait, we're in a time of technology. Yeah. At least this isn't 1970 where we don't have computers and we yeah. don't have Zoom. And we, I mean, <laughs> you know, or even 20 years ago, we wouldn't have had this, right? Um, so shouldn't we be like, hey, yeah, it kind of sucks, but hey, we at least get to watch the services on TV yeah. or on computer. We can, sure. we can chat. We have like messaging and we have Zoom and, and whatever else. Like, isn't that an exciting thing? Oh, I, I, I was yeah. blown away by the, the people getting upset about it. Yeah, I, I know. I was blown away by it, too. And, and one the other thing, too, that um, I, I felt was gone from the narrative of many of the negative comments is, is what about the sovereignty of God? Um, you know, did this whole pandemic take God by surprise? Um, and isn't there something that we should be learning from it? And one, I, I remember somebody else in, in, I think, in one of our board meetings saying, just imagine, as you just stated, if this happened 20-something years ago or 30 years ago, how would we have managed? But we've been able to continue every Sunday from the time the pandemic has started. Um, and, and our church, like some others that I've heard, are strong financially. The congregation is still giving to the same levels that it always gave and a little bit more. There's been months where we've been really celebratory of, you know, the faithfulness of God's people, which I think is really neat. It's not like, you know, the, the givings evaporated and people weren't going online. We had some very positive. And even to this day, I have neighbors who would never have darkened the door of our church or actually listening online. Oh, nice. You, you know, so we've, we, we've seen some very positive things from the technology. And that's the reality, too, is that's why we're continuing to be a hybrid church, because the biggest mission field, I feel, is, is the online presence. And there are so many people who I know are listening, and they would not normally come to our church. Right. But they'll go online and listen. And I think that's a huge blessing for us. And it's kind of something, I mean, I have to admit, I don't always like to get up and get dressed and, you know, look appropriate for going out. So if I can like sit in my pajamas and eat breakfast and watch the church, <laughs> I'm okay with that. <laughs> uh, but, but you know um, what else? Yeah, but you know what else we're seeing? We're seeing, okay, so you, you've got this number of people that are online watching you you know, as the service is, is being presented, but the amount of hits that we're getting after the fact is like amazing, you know? And, and so we're getting so much traction of stuff that was weeks ago. You know, we did, we did a three-part ser series on why do I feel like this? Yes. And we, we interviewed psychotherapists and, and other people in that, in that field to help people, you know, with the way they were feeling through this whole pandemic. And that thing just really got us so much traction. And so many people that said, you know, I had people say, I really enjoyed that series. And I didn't even realize that they're even watching at all. Mm. Yeah. 
I have to say that was when I heard that you were doing that series and, and I, I think I was there for all three or at least two of them. Two of them. And I was yeah. like, oh my goodness, how refreshing <laughs> yeah. to talk about mental health in the church. Oh my. Because yeah. I mean, depending on, I've been to some, some great churches that I've been some not great churches, but at least the time that we were in 20 years ago, 30, 40, whatever, um, a lot of times we didn't understand mental health. I mean, now it's easy to say, let's talk about it. And we understand things better because there's been more research and whatnot. Right. Yeah. But it's, it was sometimes thrown in your face. Like, here's a Bible verse. Don't be anxious. Well, I got oh, anxiety. Yeah. Like, don't, um, you're sinning because you have depression. Yeah. And so just for the church to open up and say, Hey, this is more than just what we always said it was. Um, and I thought that that was so awesome that you had these people come and talk about it. Um, so yeah, for sure. I can imagine a lot of people would be like, Oh yeah, I want to tune into this. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. It was really, it was really kind of cool. That's why for every one of the people that we interviewed, we had that critical question. Is it okay to feel like this? Mm. Yeah. And I was really, yeah, I was really, um, blessed by their answers and the practical steps each of them gave us for trying to manage how we were struggling during this time. Cause everybody's struggling to one degree or another. And actually that's another thing that kind of bothers me. And I've done this myself because we were always told to do this, but the Christian ease, yeah. the words that we say, well, God is in control. Uh, God can't give you more than you can handle. Just pray about it. Like all this stuff. And it was like, Ugh, but you're not <laughs> listening to me. I'm struggling. Don't just throw verses at me. Don't just throw this because yeah. people don't really know what to say. And I get it. But sometimes it's like, that's not what I need right now. I just need a human being to talk to me. Not, you know, yeah. <laughs> that, that's another topic. for. <laughs> <laughs> I got so many things, <laughs> but um. Yeah, actually, when you said the the giving was even more so at my mom's church, too, it was the same. Yeah. They said the giving has actually gone up. And yeah. I was like, there you go. That's that's amazing. And and for the things that they were doing, you know, because the food bank needed more food and help mm -hmm. and they were doing that kind of stuff. And it's just like, yeah get out in the community. And that's, I think that was my frustration with hearing some of the, the churches, they're focused so much on their rights and freedoms and let's do this. Meanwhile, there's other things happening. There's people dying. There's people struggling. Oh, yeah. There's, there's these social issues that I really was so frustrated. I'm like, Hey, I'm learning about racism and I get it that maybe not everyone's at the same page, but instead of focusing so much on that or like the indigenous, the children's graves that were found and the, and a lot of the stuff that we're learning for you to go on and on about your church, not being open. And there's literally uh, more important things to care about. I think that's where I just is like, this is so fake, right? Why yeah, are you oh, care so much about that when there's people hurting? Yeah. I, you know, I, what the pandemic did to the church, it, it forced us all to go on mission as opposed to, um, you know, getting into our little uh, cloisters and, and individual groups and just being comfortable away from the world. But it forced us out to, if we wanted to survive as a church, 
care about people, like beyond mission for people. I was really shocked, you know, and, and I look back on it now. I had no idea we would have the kind of impact in our benevolence that we've had. We've had, you know, we've, we've helped so many people as a church. And it's kind of surprising to look back at the list and, and the numbers. And, and, and I'm, I just think that's really exciting. And that was part and parcel of where the elders in, in this church started directing their attention. How can we help other people? In fact, when they called people, because we, we had a plan to, to call people, I think every couple of months to make sure everybody was okay. One of the things they asked is, how can we help you? How can we uh, you know, take care of you? And I thought that was just a great reminder of the church being the church. Mm-hmm. Well, that's something you you did say in one of your sermons too. You're like you said, um, this is a chance for the church to shine. Yeah. And demonstrate like what we really stand for. Yeah. Um, and I think that's where it's it's really disappointing. But then I think it's kind of I said. I said to somebody, you know, it's kind of interesting though, because you're, you're seeing now what's really important to people. Is it the building? Is it their rights and freedoms? Or is it actually what they really truly believe? If they really truly believe that God is sovereign, if they really truly believe that what Jesus would do is this, they're not living it out. So maybe, or they're not really believing it if they're not doing it. Yeah. Even though we've said we believe this for so many years, this is crunch time. This is when it's like, oh, no, I don't think you really do believe that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And you know what? It's, it is, it is kind of, you make a really good point. And it's, it's making people appreciate what they had before, too. Hmm. That's, you know, we're, we're seeing people starting to come back to the building. And I'm getting lots of comments like, oh, we miss this place so much. And we love being here. Uh, we love the atmosphere and being able to worship together. And it just tells me that it was all about being a part of the community in the first place for them and being uh, authentic followers of, of Christ. And it wasn't about my rights. It wasn't about, you know, they adhere to everything as, as was mandated by it. Um, but it, it was event. It was essentially about being as Christ-like as possible in the midst of very difficult times. Mm-hmm. I, I could imagine another thing that would really bother you is because you're you're a teacher, professor at yeah. is it Heritage? Heritage College and Heritage. Seminary. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And um you know, like you study theology and you know the meaning of the verses and what's going on, right? So when people are saying certain verses and throwing that, like manipulating, that oh. must really just drive you crazy. Oh, oh, don't. Yeah, let's not let's not go there, Stephanie. Oh, okay. I have never, I have never seen the Bible more misquoted, misused, <laughs> abused, and and used as a. In fact, I, I talk about the Bible being weaponized. Oh yeah. And, uh, you know, people were weaponized, weaponizing the Bible for their own, you know, whatever, whatever, you know, horse they wanted to get on at the particular time. But honestly, it was it was brutal to see, you know, because a, a text outside of its context leads you with a con. Right. And there was so much decontextualizing of, of the scriptures 
and abuse. And it was horrible to witness. I had to get off social media for a while because I, I was probably going to have a heart attack. It was going to drive me to, you know, have cardiac struggles, but it was really horrible to witness a lot of this stuff. I can't say I'm surprised. I kind of grew up with a lot of that versus thrown around and just like, and now it's like, oh, that's what that verse means. Yeah. Oh, and I've been talking to a lot of other people going through coming out of the fundamentalist, whatever, evangelical, whatever we were. I don't even know. We all have different terms for what we think. Well, yeah. and it, it depends on because some people say, well, this is a bit more fundamentalist. And I wasn't like that extreme, but it still is there anyway. Yeah. Uh, and people will say, yeah, I I mean, right now for me personally, I haven't picked up my Bible in months because uh-huh. I just can't even look at it. Because I don't even know what to believe when I read some of the verses and it, it was always, well, this is what it means. And then you're finding out not necessarily or look at it in the context of what it was written. And it's like, are you serious? All these years? <laughs> yeah. You know, the verse I was getting thrown around all the time, do not neglect the Hebrews verse of do not neglect meeting together as some are apt to do. And that was, that one was just thrown around and so abused for, you know, um, and I know churches that said, uh, the other thing I got thrown at me on a regular basis is online church is not church. You cannot, you know. And meanwhile, isn't it all a spiritual exercise anyway? You know? Um, so, I, yeah, I just, um, I just found myself scratching my head more times than I cared to. What about that verse? Uh, people were saying also, do not, do not obey the government. Oh, out of, out of acts, you know, follow, follow God and, and, and not follow men and out of, yes. out of the book of acts and stuff like that. Yeah. That's really, that, 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 that's really good. But, you know, if you look at the context of the pa- passage, they specifically said in that passage, do not preach Jesus. <laughs> Right. So right away out of the context of that passage, um, you know, it wasn't the same context. Right. Right. And, and, and again, you, you know, you said it earlier, if the government was saying you cannot, you know, uh, you cannot open your doors to your church and you cannot talk about Jesus. Like those are totally different things. And I would be at the very front of the line if that's what's going to be happening, but that's not even remotely what's happening. And in fact, I, I believe the church was probably treated better than, than other, other uh, businesses and institutions in many, many ways. I wouldn't want to be a restaurant owner during this time. I wouldn't want to be even a hairdresser during this time. Mm -hmm. How, How did they, how, how did these restaurants that are still open survive? I know. And, and some of them, like on the news, they're saying we're just getting by. Yeah. Um, and I'm like, how did they get through all that? <laughs> you know, it's been what? Oh. Almost two years. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it was also interesting. The And I keep hearing about this, the Christian persecution complex we have in North America. Well, yeah. I can't say this. I can't do that. I'm being persecuted. No. Literally, there's, and was it, look, day of the persecuted church was last week right yeah it was like yeah and when you hear the stories of people in like north korea or i don't know all the different countries but yeah they're literally being beaten 
and thrown in jail and killed. And like, there was this one guy who had to lie in like a coffin sized box for months just because he was a Christian. That's persecution. This is not persecution. This is not, yeah. It's embarrassing. It's like, literally, you're fine. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I'm probably going to get in trouble uh, for saying <laughs> I kind of got a big mouth now. Um, there was one thing I have to laugh. I don't even understand it, but there's somebody I went to Bible college with years ago. And on Facebook, they were posting this. When COVID came out, it was this picture of Nebuchadnezzar. Yeah. And they're like, don't bow down to the idols. And COVID was the idol. And I didn't even understand any of what 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 does this have to do with nebuchadnezzar yeah i have no idea i know there was a gold statue and he was making everybody worship the gold idol and yeah refused to you know but but you know that's that's a classic example of taking something and and just creating a meme around something that isn't remotely related to the reality that we're living through so you know and and you know i had to i i you know, the vaccines was the mark of the beast. Six, six, oh, seven. I've heard that. You that's know, that's, that's the one. There, there are whole churches that would not get the vaccine because it was a mark of the beast. And it's like, where, how, yeah. Yeah. That one's my favorite. Or I think I had a family member who thought that it, it, they were going to input a chip Yeah. with the vaccine. I'm like, how would they even do that? that's that's funny but well then you get into the conspiracy theories right and which is i mean okay i get it because when when governments do stuff and then you have a whistleblower right like edward snowden we would never have thought they'd be they'd be spying on us through our computer cameras right that sounds conspiracy theorist so i get it because the government you can't trust them there's stuff that happens. People with money do things, but it's a little bit, I don't know. Sometimes where do we draw the line? My dad's really into like Fauci and Bill Gates are trying to take over the world and they created yeah. COVID. I'm like, I don't know, maybe. I mean, anything's possible, but I'm not going to go believing it just because you heard it on Fox News. And so <laughs> <laughs> I. <laughs> Uh, well, uh, you know, to, to to speak, you know that maybe that's not a thing to get into. I don't know. <laughs> well, you know, yeah, you know, but you know, you hear all these things, you know, and one of the things that that you know, even as a staff, we would sit around and go, "Are we wrong? Are we crazy? Are we the ones that are crazy and not seeing all this other stuff?" Because we got such, we got bombarded by so many different conspiracy theories, alternate viewpoints, all, all of this kind of stuff. It's like you start doubting yourself after a while and you got to kind of, you know, shake yourself out of it and say, you know, hey, listen, uh, what are the rational components that I do know about this and what can I do about it? And what's important to be critical um, in, in, in this whole time frame? Um, but the conspiracy theories, you know, um, the the place that I landed is like, look, you know, evil exists, bad people are going to do whatever they do. If they use this time as an opportunity for them to do what they're going to do anyway, then that doesn't negate the fact 
that, you know, this is still a problem and we still have a responsibility to care for people because this this pandemic's real. And to just sort of throw the whole thing out just because a number of bad people are going to do bad things because they're going to take advantage of the situation is just, to me, backward logic, to be honest. And really, what can you do about it? I mean, if Fauci is going to be this evil world ruler or whatever, I don't even understand it all. uh, You literally can't stop it. (laughs) No. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, and and here's the other thing, right? Um, um, Getting back to kind of the sovereignty of God. If this is the end times, isn't this what the end times is going to look like? Right. You know, so maybe as a Christian, maybe we should be relieved that, you know, Jesus is going to come soon and it's all going to be at an end anyway. And, uh, you know, and, and, uh, you know, but it's like nobody wants to accept the fact that maybe, maybe God's orchestrating all of this for a good purpose. Well, I think that's, that's the one thing that I've started to understand is, you know, whenever we go through hard times and then it's really like, oh, this sucks. And through all the things that I've, I've gone through and then I come through the other side, I'm like, Hey, I learned something in that. Hey, I became a different person through that. It all has a meaning to it. And so I think with COVID it's terrible in a sense of it's been hurtful for people. People are losing their lives, losing their jobs. Um, and it's not a good thing, but there is good that comes out of it. There's good that comes out of everything. Right. And so it's a matter of, of seeing that. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, uh, I, feel, I, 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 I think, I think that's the, um, you know, the, the kernel of truth out of all of this is what you just said. And I think the churches that are going to thrive after this are going to be the ones that have learned the most out of the pandemic and have embraced, you know, being a true community of faith and embraced, you know, the core values of what it means to be a church, what it means to be a follower of Jesus, what it means to care for others, what it means to demonstrate the love of Christ. All of those things are going to be, in my mind, are going to reflect the heart of the church moving out of this pandemic. And I think there's going to be a lot of people saying, I'm not interested in in those churches because they just proved what they were really all about. Mm -hmm. And hopefully that'll be the filter that people, um, you know, move forward with. Oh, actually there's one thing I I was going to mention. I totally forgot when, when this whole first lockdown happened and people online were going talking about it. And I remember saying, when this one church I used to go to in Toronto and they said, Oh, well, we should open the doors because people are, are lonely and, and depressed and committing suicide. I was like, okay, I understand that because people are isolated, but before the pandemic, people were lonely and isolated and committing suicide. Did you care then? Yeah. No, they did not care then. I'm sorry. Yeah. These people are just like, oh, well, you're sinning or you're doing this. Like it, it was like people were like that before. This has just brought it out more. And, and, you know, people are like, well, the elderly in the homes, they can't see their family. But that's always been there's always been problems in the nursing homes. Yeah. Right. In the yeah. long term, like 
<laughs> nobody was seeing it uh, until the pandemic. And these people were lonely and isolated before because their family weren't weren't coming. So did you care then? Eh. Yeah. I don't know. But yeah. Anyway, yeah, that's that's. <laughs> You know that's that's the benefit of a crisis. It, it it brings the 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 real things that we need to note to the surface. And I and again, I think the most tragic thing coming out of this for churches is if we don't learn anything that God is trying to teach us. And those are all the things that I really feel. You know, who's who's not to say that the you know the pandemic didn't, didn't come around so God could purge the church because mm. the church had got it too you know too fat and lazy oh yeah but, yeah you know um and i think i i think that's something that if you're a church leader you have to reflect long and hard on well and and somebody i know posted something about well the pandemic people are not coming they're they're more comfortable attending church at home or they don't want to come back and so blah 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 but it's actually like, well, if people really wanted to come to church, they'd be excited to come back. So yeah. there's the problem. Yeah. The problem is people are worn out, actually. When I when I talk to people who have to go, and I remember the old days where we had Sunday night church. Yeah. <laughs> and for an introvert like me, it was like, why do we have to go Sunday morning and Sunday night? And then I have school the next day. Uh, and then Wednesday night. And people are worn out. Yeah. And they're being uh, manipulated a lot of times, right? Like you need to serve, you need to do this. Maybe people are just enjoying that they don't have to do that. And so maybe there's bigger problems than just the pandemic and people aren't going back to church. They're going back to church because there's other issues, right? Yeah, yeah. So uh, let's look at the whole thing. <laughs> yeah, let's let's see the cracks for what they are and and deal honestly with it and try to create a community where people are going to want to come. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, and I think I think Village Green is doing that. Um I I thank you for at a time when I'm I was like what church do I go to? Cuz I grew up in this city and I've been to different churches and I mean the churches I've been to were great some of them. Uh, but it's just a, uh, you know, you grow and you don't really necessarily want to go back to that same church because you're a different person now. And you're like, I want to find something new. I was like, where do I go? And then during the pandemic, I was like, oh, I'm going to try Village Green because I went there when I was like in kindergarten. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, how you've been handling everything. I just think it's um, it's like a safe haven. And um, I just. Thank you and the Board of Elders and everybody there for, and oh my word, the people are so kind. Yeah. And the people that remember me when I was in kindergarten, (laughs) I was like, what? How do you know? How do you remember far back? (laughs) Yeah, that says something for, you know, because we have a number of people who have been here almost from the start of the church. We're talking 50 years, right? 40, 40, 50 years. And that says a lot about the church. And and I've I've been here as long as I have because it is a really good church to be a part of. And I'm I'm glad to be part of it. And there's been a culture of love and care here long before I came. Mm-hmm. And I'm a beneficiary of that too. So it's wonderful. Awesome. Well, yeah. thank you so much for chatting yeah. with me and coming on the podcast. 
You're very welcome. Um, love you having part of the congregation too, Stephanie, even though you're home. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> half the time I'm home. <laughs> Thank you. You're very welcome. Take care, okay? Okay. If you want to follow me on social media, you can find me on Twitter at Steph underscore Ann underscore web, Instagram, Stephanie underscore Ann underscore web, Facebook, Stephanie Ann web, and my website is stephanieannweb.com where you can find my podcast episodes for the Stuff Up podcast and check out my blog. And you can buy my children's book called What Should Dragon Do? A story about living together with other people, how to handle the little situations, and how to live together with kindness. I appreciate you all. You are amazing. Thank you so much for listening. Now go out there and make it a great day. Bye.